Australia's government is facing a reckoning on sexual assault and harassment. And the Parliament building has been at the center of the story, not because it's where laws get made, but because there's been harassment, assault, and even an allegation of rape within its walls. I was raped inside Parliament House by a colleague, and for so long it felt like the people around me only cared because of where it happened and what it might mean for them. This might sound like Australia's Me Too moment, but it had one in 2017, and it didn't result in major change. Now, thousands of women are pushing to make this time the breakthrough. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. The sexual assault cases that have shaken Australia also shook up its federal government. On March 29th, Prime Minister Scott Morrison demoted two of his cabinet members after nationwide pressure. First was the attorney general because he was accused of sexual assault. And next, the defense minister for allegedly mishandling a rape investigation that happened in her parliamentary office in 2019. Both will stay on in the government, but in more junior roles. My colleague Priyanka Tilvey, one of the producers on The Take, has been following this story through its twists and turns over the past few weeks and joins me now. Priyanka, there are so many details to this story. How would you break it down? This story has some difficult and dark elements to it. It breaks down to three main incidents. There's a woman named Brittany Higgins who says she was raped in Parliament House. There's the allegation of sexual assault against Christian Porter, who until recently was the attorney general. And then there's this series of videos that was leaked on March 22nd, showing men in Parliament participating in some really disturbing sexual acts. All of these incidents impact Australia's governing party, which is center-right. It's called the Liberal Party. But of course, these issues aren't unique to them. So to get a grasp of everything going on, I interviewed a woman named Kate Walton. I'm an Australian feminist activist and writer. I'd been following Kate's reporting on this story, and I wanted to talk to her because she's not just a journalist. She's also directly involved in the grassroots organizing of this movement. So we started with her telling me about the rape allegation inside Parliament. So Brittany Higgins is a young woman who came forward with a complaint of sexual assault that happened while she was working in the Liberal Party, which is uh, currently Australia's governing party, as a young political staffer. She alleges that another male colleague took her back to Parliament House one evening after they'd spent the evening out with some friends having a few drinks and that he proceeded to rape her in the office of her boss. Her boss was Linda Reynolds, the woman who was just demoted from defence minister because of this case. So Brittany Higgins alleges that she tried to speak to the minister, tried to speak to her supervisors about what had happened, and that essentially they told her not to take it any further because it would damage not just her career, but it would also damage the Liberal Party because there was a general election forthcoming. So she's been trying to get this resolved and 
I believe she really only went public because she couldn't find another route for her to achieve justice. Wow. What was your reaction when you heard that story? Obviously, it's quite a shocking story that a young woman who is a political staffer within Parliament House could be sexually assaulted within Australia's peak political body, particularly by a colleague. I think that was particularly concerning. The fact that it happened in the minister's office, that they were given entry at night, and it has since been revealed that the security guards were well aware that she was quite intoxicated and they were concerned about the man involved as well, and they didn't really do anything to stop them. And it's just shocking to think that something like that could happen within the grounds of Parliament House. Yeah, especially considering what those grounds are supposed to represent for the country. Exactly. I think that's the most concerning element of it because obviously we know that many Australian women are not safe in public places, but you would think you would be safe in Parliament House. Unfortunately, that's evidently not the case. So Priyanka, Brittany Higgins came out with her story on February 15th, and immediately there was a national outcry and a lot of media attention. Together, we can bring about real, meaningful reform to the workplace culture inside Parliament House and hopefully everywhere. Definitely. And the fact that this happened in Parliament already shook a lot of Australians. But then the story got so much bigger when a few weeks later the Christian Porter story came out. Remember, he was the Attorney General at the time. So the Attorney General Christian Porter was accused of sexually assaulting a young woman back in 1988 in Sydney. They were both teenagers at the time. They were about 17. And they were on a debating trip. She alleges that he sexually assaulted her quite violently. And unfortunately, the woman in question, she took her complaint to the New South Wales police last year. But due to the COVID pandemic, the police were unable to go to Adelaide to interview her That led to a couple of months later, her withdrawing her complaint and committing suicide the next day. Priyanka, the facts of this case are distressing, which is why even though it happened in the 80s, it's still having such an impact today. Yeah, of course. I mean, a lot of Australians today think it brings into question Christian Porter's integrity and fitness for the position of attorney general. And while they were grappling with that question, last week, some pretty salacious videos from inside Parliament were leaked. On Tuesday, Morrison vowed to drive cultural change and described the reports of the lewd acts as disgusting. It is shameful. It is just absolutely shameful. I was completely stunned, as I have been on more than one occasion over the course of this last month. These videos that have come out, they're pretty upsetting because they're quite disgusting in in what they show. They are videos of young male political staffers masturbating over the desks of female MPs, for example. There are also rumours and reportedly videos of people having sex in the prayer room at Parliament House and reports of prostitutes also being taken onto the grounds at Parliament House, which is a bit of a stretch as to what's permitted at Parliament House, is one way of saying it, particularly when the the prostitution area in Canberra is about five kilometres down the road and it's not a particularly long journey for them to take. 
I think all of this comes together with a number of other complaints that have emerged recently as well to show you that there is a real toxic culture within Parliament House and that women are not only not welcomed, but they are not respected and they are in fact even violated within the grounds of Parliament House and within the broader political culture uh, in Australia. Priyanka, the stories you and Kate have told so far already paint a pretty dark picture of the state of misogyny in Australian politics. But did you happen to go into some of the other complaints that she mentioned? Yeah, actually, at one point in our conversation, Kate sort of just launched into them. The way so many examples just sprung to her mind in such quick succession, I mean, that really floored me. For example, there's an MP called Craig Kelly. His senior aide has been accused of harassing multiple young female interns and staffers. There are six ongoing police cases. Also, the the Queensland Attorney General came forward and said she'd been groped by an international judge. Senator Lydia Thorpe, who's an Indigenous senator from Victoria, she's only been a senator for six months. And within that time, she's already been harassed by four other parliamentarians. I could actually spend a week telling you examples of my personal journey with violence and and sexual assault. And in the short time I've been in that place, I can tell you now it's one of the most toxic places I've ever worked in in my life. So I think all of this together really shows that there is a really toxic culture within Australian politics that simply does not respect or value women, let alone women's safety. Yeah, it's unbelievable to hear you list all of them out like that. Just the fact that there are so many that you can point to off the top of your head just points to how egregious and systemic this issue is. And I think that's the right word for it, systemic, because it's not just at the national level, it's at the state level, The there's cases ongoing. So we can see that it is something that is really systemic across all levels of Australian political culture. You know, Priyanka, Australian women have been fighting against this systemic issue for a long time. I remember in 2012, Australia's first female prime minister, Julia Gillard, brought up this issue on the floor of Parliament. Her statements were directed at the opposition leader at the time, Tony Abbott. I say to the leader of the opposition, I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. Not now, not ever. If he wants to know what misogyny looks like in modern Australia, he doesn't need a motion in the House of Representatives. He needs a mirror. That's what he needs. Tony Abbott later went on to become the Prime Minister of Australia himself. So I've had the chance to interview Julia Gillard a couple of times, and she's talked about why it was important for her to stand her ground in Parliament and remind herself of her purpose and leadership when she was faced with so much toxicity. But now, nearly 10 years later, we're hearing about all of these other misogynistic incidents in Parliament, which are even more alarming. What was Kate's take on all of that? You know, this incident was seen all over the world. Julia Gillard was the country's head of state, and she was disrespected on national television. Kate says this happened to Gillard not only because she's a woman, but also because she's a woman who defied a lot of stereotypes in Australia. I think 
with Julia Gillard, she reached the point where she was so fed up and so furious with the way she was treated, particularly as an atheist, unmarried, uh, childless woman, that people in Parliament couldn't empathise with her. They couldn't understand her position. And that meant that they couldn't understand many other women in Australia. So they really couldn't see where Gillard was coming from. So what Kate told me is that It's a shame that there was no real change after that incident, but she also told me it's not all that surprising. And then in 2017, we saw this all come up again with the Me Too movement, and again, it fell short. Australia's anti-defamation laws are much more restrictive than most other countries where the Me Too movement took hold. And Kate says those laws stopped many women from going public with their accounts and naming the men who they say assaulted them. So what was it about the Brittany Higgins case that broke through? Well, there was this poll from the British paper The Guardian that said in March that only one out of three Australians believe political offices are safe spaces for women. Kate says they're just tired of it, to the extent that they're now willing to brave those legal consequences if it means dealing with this deeply ingrained problem. So many Australian women have these experiences and I think now are saying, yeah, I've this has happened to me at home, this has happened to me at the workplace, this is happening to me in Parliament House, that I think people are just really fed up. So people are angry and people really want change now, particularly women. So this week, in addition to demoting the two cabinet members, Prime Minister Scott Morrison also appointed several women to his cabinet, including the new Attorney General. These changes will shake up what needs to be shaken up. The changes I'm announcing today will once again provide the strongest ever female representation in an Australian government cabinet. What other concrete steps does Kate think the prime minister should take? Well, first of all, Kate said she thought Christian Porter, who is at the center of the 1980s rape allegation, Kate thinks he should be fired outright that a demotion is not enough. Frankly, that's not acceptable. That's just hoping the problem will go away and we will forget about it. And she also thinks that the Prime Minister's party could take other steps that are on the table already. For example, the Sexual Discrimination Act, which Australia has had since 1984, for some reason excludes parliamentarians and political staffers. An independent MP called Zali Stegall proposed that be amended so that it applies to everyone. And these are very simple things that would have immediate effect, immediately making women more safe at work, and yet even these simple acts, he's not doing. You know, one important aspect we haven't talked about yet is the dynamics of who makes the headlines in this story. Yeah, that's something that Kate also wanted to highlight. What we've been looking at recently is very much uh, what's been happening to white women in very elite workplaces. And obviously, you know, that's a particular issue in itself. But if we bring the focus out more widely, particularly looking at Indigenous women in Australia, there is a lot of evidence that shows that they suffer at much higher rates than white women. Kate talked about this one study that said half of all Indigenous women experienced sexual violence at work, compared to one-third of non-Indigenous Australian women. Wow. And 
do they get the same amount of coverage and reaction as these recent cases have gotten? No, no, not at all. And that's true for women of color more generally, too. There's a woman named Dania Mani. She's an Indian-Australian woman who used to work as a staffer for the Liberal Party. Dania Mani claims she was violently and sexually assaulted by a Liberal colleague. A man who I didn't want to be in my home came to my home uninvited and was on top of me, um, choking me and achieving sexual gratification from that while I couldn't move and couldn't speak. She went public with her story in 2019. And Kate says... It didn't receive anything like as much attention as Brittany Higgins's case. And obviously it's very hard to analyse exactly why that happened, but it's hard to say that there is no racism at play there. When you have a young woman of colour who's very intelligent, very well presented, and a white woman who's also very intelligent and very well presented, the white woman receives all of the media attention, sparks off a big movement, whereas the young woman of colour receives very little of that and receives a lot less support and, frankly, a lot more slut-shaming. In light of everything that's happened in the past few weeks, Kate says this issue of intersectionality is now finally becoming a growing part of the conversation on sexual assault and sexual harassment in Australia. It's something organizers gave a lot of thought to while they were planning the huge March for Justice protest on March 15th. And Kate was one of those organizers. We were expecting maybe a few thousand people. And for Canberra, which is, even though it's the capital, it's a small town, that would have been a really significant achievement. But it turned out that women came up from Melbourne, they came down from Sydney, they came up from the coast. You could hear the clapping. And at the front, you could hear it fade away. And then in the distance, it was still going. And it was like this massive ripple of applause after people were speaking or this ripple of chants. And I think that was when we went, oh, wow, this is actually really massive. And I think that was one of the really sort of spine chilling moments of the day when we realized quite how big it was. There was a woman called Aminata Conte-Biger who spoke. And she is uh, a refugee from Africa who's been in Australia for some years now. And she said, It gives no hope to us that the Australian Prime Minister and the politician do not believe a white person, a white woman. Then what is the hope for a black woman? What is the hope for a black woman? And I think she's absolutely spot on. This is very much a blind spot also for much of the Australian women's movement. It is not as intersectional, it is not as inclusive, and it is not as respectful as it needs to be. And that is something we all have to work on because really we're not going to achieve justice for Australian women until we achieve justice for all Australian women. Don't hold it back. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilbe with Amy Walters, Alexandra Locke, Ney Alvarez, Dina Kispe, Nagin Oliai, and me, Malika Bilan. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. And Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer. 
We'll be back. 